Hi, welcome. We have a great show for you today. I'm Melanie Johnson along with my partner Jen Foster hosting our show today. And we want to remind you first off, please subscribe to us, uh, share us, like us, send us um, to your friends and recommend us. We'd really appreciate that. We're happy to have you uh, like us on our Facebook page and all our social media as well. Go to Elite Online Publishing. So we're brought to you by Elite Online Publishing today where we market, publish, and help you write your book and become a number one best-selling author. So, um, and if you'd like to go on a book writing retreat with us, we'd like to have you join us do that as well. Today we have a really special show. We have an author here called Sarah Sahar Pez, and she has written a book called Finding Your Voice. And I think so many of us are looking to uh, tap into that inner voice, and we get so busy with our lives that um, we just don't even stop to tap into that. And she has an amazing story. She's had an amazing journey that she's going to share with us today of how she found that voice. Sahar, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, thank you so much for creating this space for me to share my story and hopefully inspire others. I'm really appreciative. Great, welcome. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about, um, I want to get people familiar just with your background and kind of your story. Um, when I met you, we met at a book writing event mm -hmm. and you had shared part of your story kind of coming up from when you were young mm -hmm. and um, taking you through this little bit of a journey. Kind of take us with you on that journey. Sure. Well, the body of my work is so aligned with the personal healing that I've done. Um, I think they've really gone hand in hand. and. Um, it began in 1978 when I was born into a time where I didn't have a choice to even have a voice, and that was in the Islamic Revolution of Iran. So it wasn't just me, and as well as the women in my life, but it was also the men. So as a community, as a whole, we really had our choices, our voices, even our wardrobe controlled by fear. Um, so it was a very interesting time, and because of the nature of what was going on beyond my body, I had to really turn in. And even at a young age, I thought, surely everybody across the world thinks to themselves their inner voice in my native tongue, which was Farsi. So I remember at a young age even understanding and being aware of this, of this inner voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I stayed pretty withdrawn, even when we moved to the States in 1986. We moved to Denver, Colorado. And um, I would say that transition um, was one that really solidified a perfectionist in my inner voice. Um, what I felt when I moved to the States wasn't really a welcome. There wasn't um, this exhilaration for freedom. Rather, there was a ton of judgment. So uh, I faced prejudice as well as um, the abandonment of my father and then out of survival's sake, the emotional abandonment of my mom. So uh, I really drew in and became this people-pleasing perfectionist and this is who I was and what led my inner voice and really guided my personality and my journey through my teens and 20s and there was a culmination of challenges of me not honoring my worth. Um, and at the same time, that people-pleasing drive took me to have all that I ever wanted by the time I was 25, which for me was living in Manhattan and having a successful career, which was banking. And that wasn't my terms of success, but it was definitely society and family's terms. 
And so I thought, okay, if they think I'm successful, I should think I'm successful and feel fulfilled. Mm. And uh, I had, I was in a relationship with a gentleman that was committed to me and interested in taking the next step. So everything was pretty in line. And I would say that's when really everything fell apart because I was expecting to be fulfilled. And uh, for me, falling apart meant a deep depression that I didn't give a voice to until it brought me to my deathbed. So at the age of 25 in 2005, I tried to end my life three times. And through that process, I was really reborn and understood what I was here for. Not in that moment or not in the six months of healing, but in the decade after, mm -hmm. nearly 10 years. I would say for sure nine years um, after I really committed to curiosity and permission. And this is where I freelanced in New York. When I went back to school and finished with a fashion marketing degree, when I graduated in an economic meltdown and gave myself a chance to start a nonprofit and use my need to be in service, um, and again experienced another burnout at the age of 33. So these were all things in that decade that really brought me to where I am today, where I can speak to you, you know, emerged into my voice, having found it, sharing it as an author, as a speaker, as someone who does a lot of bullying and suicide prevention, asking people to use their voice to start a conversation about topics that are really killing us. So um, it's been a wonderful journey. It's been a challenging journey. It's a journey I am still on. And I sit here um, imperfect and just aware of all the voices that try to remind me of those things. And I honor them, but don't let her become my dictator. And I would say that is the whole reason why I'm here, is to let people know that all the voices within you can be your greatest ally. That's interesting because, you know, I was I wanted to ask you, how do you find your voice? What advice would you give someone to find their voice? But um, you threw this out about don't always listen to her or don't be dictated by her. So I would I was under the impression that, wow, when you see hear that voice, it's really trying to lead you where you're supposed to be. But you're really saying not necessarily true. Well, we are capable as humans to have up to 70,000 thoughts a day. So there's this constant conversation going on consciously and subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So for me, and um, what I mean by find your voice is really understanding the thoughts that you cope with. So this is how you see yourself in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And there have been thoughts, for example, for me, I am in survival mode. One, because war that I grew up in coming to the States and having to find that adjustment and losing my mom. She had to work all the time and feeling like I'm at the back of the line. So a lot of the time, my inner voice is telling me, hurry up, get it out there. And I make more emotionally charged decisions, so I'm in a rush, which a lot of us in our world or in that rat race do that. So I have to be constantly aware of that personal inner voice, that personal way of coping that really drives me. And for me to be able to lean back and observe and recognize that it's there and also bring my voice of wisdom of what I've learned of making those survival mode decisions. And my wisdom says, you know, you don't have to make that decision today. It's not black and white. It's not life or death. So a lot of it, you know, I help people connect that uh, thoughts and their emotions, how they play with each other. And some of them you hear and some of them you don't. Um, and it's a process. That's why I say it, it, it was a, almost a decade worth. 
and it was really a process of elimination of giving myself permission to try things and understanding how I reacted understanding how I held myself back mm -hmm. and then saying you know what maybe this isn't for me maybe this is my strength but not as part of my career this could be a passion or a hobby so um, it's a lot of unweaving and there's a lot of layers in there. It can be complicated, but it can also be uh, quite simple if you give so yourself it's not a chance. just one voice. You have the voice of wisdom, the voice of survival, um, the voice of rationale, the voice of emotion or love that's telling you one thing when maybe a relationship isn't right for you, which you had that circumstance as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are some of your ways that you tap into those voices? What kind of practices do you have to um, hear those voices? Well, when first and foremost, when I feel a shift in my emotion, and even for the good or the bad, I want to go back and I tend to ask myself, what was I just thinking? Because to really sit with all your voices, you get caught up and interact in this conversation, and sometimes, a lot of times, it's not good for you. So for me, in the beginning, when it was too overwhelming, the simplest way is when I felt a shift in my emotions in either direction, mm -hmm. I said, okay, what were the... the thoughts, the streams of consciousness that led me here? Was it an experience? If it was an experience that I just had, what were the conversations within me and out of me that created this experience? So really understanding the verbal transactions, the word exchange within me and externally that set me up for this. So um, it's a lot of analyzing um, in some ways, but the biggest, and I would say the simplest way is when you feel a shift in your emotions, say, hey, what was I just thinking? What mm -hmm. led me here? So you've got to be conscious of those, um, those shifts, because sometimes you can go back and forth and back and forth mm -hmm. with all mm -hmm. of that. And we, you know, we are stuck, we live life above the shoulder, so when you feel that shift, if you can allow yourself just... Um, your exhale has a, a beautiful power of letting you be heavy and kind of sit in it because a lot of times we want to process through it. And if you could just sit in it, because people may not understand awareness if this is something that's new to you, um, it's just being like a voyeur or an, or an observer of where you are. How does this feel in my body? Am I tight? Is this uncomfortable? Is my intuition saying no? Or do I feel relaxed, weightless? That's so true. I've, I mean, I've experienced things recently myself where if things were not, uh, you know, the way I thought they should be, that, and I couldn't identify it, but the inside of my gut, I just kind of felt nauseous all the time and, mm. you know, felt like my stomach had been kind of punched in. And then when you get the choice to do something different and you feel that relief, your body has that, ah, mm. then it, it directs you that this must be the better decision for me because I'm not feeling all that angst anymore and tension. I have relief that this is really where I'm, you know, God, the universe, and my body is telling me I need to go. Absolutely. And sometimes we mistranslate as that as, oh, my God, I'm, I'm nervous or I'm doubting myself. And it's like this is where you need to trust yourself and say this doesn't feel right. And you know the whole part of find your voice is you find that voice within you and it helps you motivate the external voice that everyone else hears. So you can stand up and say, hey, even it's some thought or whatever the case is and voice what is right for you. I love how you said that sometimes you just have to stop and say, you know, how did I get here? What were the thoughts or the words that I was telling myself or, you know, what, what you were listening to? Go and analyze it back. 
-hmm. I think that's really important to do. I find myself in the same situation sometimes where I'm all of a sudden not feeling good and I'm like, wait, what was I just thinking? Because why, why did my mind go there? Let me move and I don't need to go over there, you know? Yeah. Our mind can play tricks on us. Yeah, I can replay the same uh, recording over and over again, mm -hmm. and I realize I just have to hit the delete file. Mm -hmm. Delete that. Don't replay that anymore. Yeah. yeah. So you have written an incredible book, and what motivated you and inspired you, I mean, um, that to take that step? Because sometimes people have that vision that they'd like to do it and share their story, but what was kind of your kick in the pants, so to speak, to get you to take that step? Um, well, first I have to show my baby. Find your yeah. um, oh, Well, at the age of 33, I had my second burnout, and it wasn't a matter of wanting to take my life. It was more, I know that I want to be in service to others. Like, I know a desk job is not my thing. I know I want to help others. And first it was through my nonprofit, using fashion as a catalyst, um, and working with teens. And during that time, one, I burnt myself out because my voice within me was so longing to have mentorship, so longing to see a breathing, living, thriving woman. You know, I didn't really have examples close enough. Yeah, those on TV and I could read about, but I needed something at my fingertips to make it more tangible. And because I didn't have that, I became that and eventually drained myself. So um, at the age of 33, I had to decide and give myself permission to leave New York first because who am I if I'm not a New Yorker? I had to give myself permission to leave a five-year relationship um, three years in. He said, not going to marry you, not going to live with you. I stayed an additional two years and I had to give myself permission to not be the filmmaker's girlfriend. So this cool New York life with this, you know, cool creative guy, these things that I, again, like once I came out of the whole city bank and what your family wants, then you become this list of what you think your awesome creative life is going to be. So I had to give myself a chance to, okay, you had that. That still is not feeling right for you. And um, once I did get the courage to end that relationship, I had to go to a wedding in Puerto Rico and divine intervention um, had me stay there a few days longer where I met a woman that was opening a guest house, which is um, chapter seven in Find Your Voice. And, um, you know, moving is just geography. You take all your issues with you. And what happened in that guest house was a culmination of everything I was trying to run from. And in that place where I was trying to figure out what is my purpose, how can I serve others without draining myself, I didn't know. You know, I was still had those other voices of what my family expected of me. And now, although they were happy that I've healed, I didn't go back into a traditional banking corporate type of thing. So they saw me as a failure, and I was holding on to that. Yeah. And at the same time, I had a suitcase full of journals. And they say a writer can't help but write. So in that process of repivoting my life and trying to figure out who I am, I began to write. And these things just flowed out of me. So it was almost like I had no choice. And then, of course, the people I was meeting in Puerto Rico were also writers. So um, it was a point of, like, just the universe slapping me. Like, this is it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a realist, a realistic idealist, I try to say, and understood that, okay, being a writer and um, what am I going to do financially and those types of things. So there were some... Um, 
battles that I had to still get it through within myself. But when I finally let go of the voice within me that had been my protector for so long and, um, you know, it was my inner bully and she protected me before, but when I let her go and, and finally asked for help from my mom, which was a big wound for me, and she supported me through this journey and that's really how I was able to sit and write this book. And I will say the cycle that I have been trying to break for as long as I can remember um, has been the one that's been put on me from my mom. So I always wanted to empower her and I wanted her to find her voice. And the moment that I stopped that, I let go of that frustration and anger towards that and accepted her for who she is and instead became vulnerable and asked for her support is when this really formed into what it is. So I had to throw away the first draft. It was 108 pages and I was told that it was cliff notes and it only included three stories, which was my time um, when I was 25 and tried to end my life. And it was in the three separate hospitals I was in with flashbacks to earlier in my life. And I was told to make a spreadsheet of my life and to dive into the other prominent stories. So it was a huge, um, I mean, I thought I was giving myself permission in that decade in New York, but really this, is, this was on another level. You have to become very vulnerable uh, when you do that and allow yourself that vulnerability. It's not the easiest thing to do to put yourself out there that way. I congratulate you for that. Thank you, and you know, thank you for being there because I know the work that you two do is that. That's what you help women do. You know, you ultimately help women free their voice and share their stories, which is a, a beautiful ripple effect. Um, so thank you for, for what you're doing as well. Well, tell me when someone reads your book and they close and they've just read the last page, yeah. what are the things they are going to say? What, are, what do you think they will have learned? Mm -hmm. And what actions do you think they'll take? I think, you know, it's a process. I say it's a process from the introduction and that sometimes you may have to put the book down and walk away and come back because through it, um, I go through all the different voices within us. Not all, but as many as I can. So when she closes that book, I feel like she's going to understand and have a manual to her process. She understands how she copes with the world, how she sees herself in the world, and she, how she uses her voice to build the life that she craves. I'm hoping that she has adopted mostly the voice of compassion and curiosity for herself and for others. Um, and confident, calm, confident conversations where nothing seems threatening, where she understands that Anything in life with anyone can be spoken about and we can come together and doesn't have to be a confrontation. It's just a conversation. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us, Sarah. Your book, Finding Your Voice, you can find it on Amazon and uh, I'm sure it's at other bookstores as well. We'll have all the information on our website so you can get the book right through Elite Online Publishing. Um, Sarah, is there anywhere uh, that you want to direct our listeners to um, contact you, to reach out to you, to find other uh, where you're speaking, etc.? Yes, um, the title of my book actually is Find Your Voice, and you can go to my website to get a signed copy directly to you. It's Sahar Paz, S-A-H-A-R-P-A-Z, 
www.thedigitalcoachmentor.com and I'm going to have a digital course so find your voice digital is going to be going live this July there's a free uh, webinar and it's going to be an amazing experience of me guiding you through video and meditations um, and you can experience the book at your own pace um, along with a group of others so thank you so much for having me and I hope to help you find your voice Great. I'm so excited for your digital course. That will be wonderful for people to experience. Yes. yes. That is. That's very exciting. I hope uh, you get a lot of people to sign up for it. I just love listening to your voice. You're just calming just yeah, to be thank around. You. <laughs> thank you so much. It was a process to get here, but it is the best gift. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. We uh, ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with all your friends. Um, it was a great interview. And uh, let you know we are sponsored by Elite Online Publishing. Um, you can meet us and see us at EliteOnlinePublishing.com. We have all your book publishing needs that you can find right there. And we also have a master class that we offer, and you can find that at our website to sign up to learn how to write and publish your book. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.